For our message today, we're just going to be looking at, at one simple verse. It's the very last verse of the book in the Bible called 2 Corinthians. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to these Christians living in a city called Corinth, Greece. And, you know, I, I will admit, um, shortly after I was a pa- became a pastor, I, we did a lengthy study on, on 2 Corinthians, and ever since that time, I've I've kind of fallen in love with the book. Now, why? Why? Understand that it's not because Corinth was this great place. And it was no, no paradise, no place of heaven on earth or anything like that. Um, I remember uh, maybe some of you uh, watched it this last week or two weeks ago now. Uh, but the way our system works, when you graduate from the seminary, uh, you get placed uh, to a place somewhere in the country. And, and some of you maybe watched it. We had our, our former intern, uh, Vicar Samuel Schultz. You maybe watched, and it said, Samuel Schultz, St. John's Lutheran Church, Whitewater, Wisconsin, Western Wisconsin District. Um, I remember being in those seats many years ago, and one of our professors saying before, before call day, he said, I don't care what city or congregation or district you hear, just get down on your knees and thank God it's not Corinth. Um, because Corinth was was not a great place. And you see that in 1 Corinthians, the first letter that Paul writes to them. I I mean, you see things going on, sexual immorality, so that there was incest going on uh, there. Uh, there There was lawsuits going on between church members, lawsuits. Uh, There was abuse of the Lord's Supper. There was a lack of appreciation for each other's gifts. Uh, There was was doubts about even the resurrection. So not a great place to be assigned. But there's a 2 Corinthians. And that in and of itself makes it a message of hope. It's kind of like dating, right? If, if you have a horrible first date, you really don't expect a follow-up phone call, right? But when that phone rings, it's like, oh, there's hope. That, that's what's going on here, is that the fact that there's a second letter uh, to the Corinthians says, ah, there's hope. Uh, so, so just that, that in and of itself, that second Corinthians even exists, uh, makes it pretty special. Another reason why I personally like uh, 2 Corinthians is because I really like this commentary that I have on my shelf. Um, it's a rather beat up, old, old commentary. It's, it, um, you know, it's yellowed. It smells like an old book. Um, it's copyright 1963. Now I realize I just offended a bunch of people because I said, anybody born before 1963, you're old, yellow, and smelly. Uh, but that's, but it was written by someone who was even older at the time, written by a 91, this book was written by a 91-year-old gentleman uh, by the name of John P. Meyer, J.P. Meyer, and, and he, it was in his 44th year as being a seminary professor where, where, we, where Vicar and I got our training. And I, I just love ev- all the insights that he has uh, for Second Corinthians. So I was excited to say, okay, what are the insights that he's going to provide for this one verse that we're looking at today? Um, and, and knowing this, that this is how he's described. He, he is someone who just lived the New Testament. That's what one of his colleagues says. And, and so I'm like, all right, let's, let's live it with him. 
And what does he have to say about this one verse? This is what we're going to look at today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit uh, be with you all. So I open up the, his very last page here to see what he has to, all these awesome insights from J.P. Meyer. We refrain from commenting. Let the blessing stand in its simple, pristine beauty. And I'm like, really, J.P., that's all you got for me? Uh, just let it stand. And yet, maybe I get it. A, he wrote 325 pages before that, so he finally said, got to the end of the book of 2 Corinthians, and I, I got nothing more to say. No comment, just let this stand. Or even the Apostle Paul, by this time that he had, he had uh, written this as the very last verse to the Corinthians, he had just written basically 29 chapters, and I could hear him saying, all right, I got one last thing to say. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to quite do that today. We're not just going to let the blessing stand in its pristine beauty. Well, we didn't talk, we didn't write 325 pages on it. So let's, let's, let's pick this blessing apart a little bit. This blessing, it is called, it actually has a nickname. It's called the apostolic blessing. Uh, there are two blessings that are outlined in God's word for us. One in the Old Testament uh, God's people were all gathered together, and he told the priest, the guy by the name of Aaron, he said, I, okay, I want you to bless the people. I want you to put my name on the people. And it's that blessing that you and I say often. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. That's called the Aaronic, not the ironic, but the Aaronic blessing because Aaron was the one who was supposed to say that. This one is from the New Testament, by the Apostle Paul, so it's called the Apostolic Blessing. So let's pick this one apart, looking at how it is really a threefold blessing from our threefold God. It really divides into the, the three parts of the Trinity. May the, first of all, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now we have quite a few visitors here today from other states, so they don't know a whole lot about Reno. All right, so let's educate them today. What's the nickname for Reno or the slogan for Reno? Biggest little city in the world, right? Uh, biggest little, if I had to say what's the biggest little word of the Bible, it's this one, grace. Grace. It is such a rich word. And, and the Apostle Paul did not miss the significance of that little word. In fact, it, it found its way into every one of his signatures, there's 13 letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. Every single one ends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So, and so he, he understood the significance of it. It wasn't just cliche uh, to him. And, and I don't want it to become cliche to us either. Maybe to, to help us not let it just become a word that, that you know, comes off of our tongues without thinking about it. Maybe don't just think of grace as a noun, which it is. If you look in the dictionary, it says noun. And maybe catechism can, students can define it as God's undeserved love. But, it, but it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's, it's also action. It, it implies that God is going to do something. And he shows his grace to you. And the Apostle Paul saw how God's grace worked on him in his life. Maybe some of you know that Paul wasn't always Paul. He used to be a guy by the name of Saul. 
And as Saul, he was a great persecutor of Christians. He hated anybody that loved Jesus. And so what did he do? Sometimes he was, he was a coat holder. He said, hey, somebody want to take, a, take, a, take some stones and throw them at Christians? I'll hold your coats while you do it. And, and we see that happening. The very first martyr, the first Christian killed in the New Testament is Stephen. And, and there all these people are, are whipping stones at him. And there's, there's Paul here. I'll hold your coats so they don't get wrinkled. So you can get a better wind up. Or a little bit later on, he hears about some Christians living up north in a city called Damascus. And he, he, so he applies for what's basically equivalent to a hunting license and says, I want to go put my tag on them. Kill those Christians or, or imprison those Christians. And it's on his way up to Damascus that the risen and ascended Lord comes back and literally knocks Saul off of his high horse. And, and there Saul is lying in the dirt and the, the glorified Jesus who has eyes that could burn like fire. You'd expect him just to zap him into a carbon spot right there on the path. But what does he say? He doesn't say, how dare you persecute me? He asks him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? But then he doesn't say, I'm going to punish you. He says, rather, I'm calling you. I want you to be on my team. I want you to be a missionary. That's grace. That's grace. Or you can also think about how Saul, Paul, maybe saw grace in other ways. Especially when we're only looking at one verse. It's so important to look at uh, to look at the rest of the context. It's easy to pull one verse out of context. But if you had all of Paul's scroll right here, and you just went up the page, the scroll, just a few lines, maybe something that he wrote four minutes before he wrote these words was that he was talking about how he had this big thorn in his flesh. And he pleaded and he pleaded and he pleaded with the Lord to take it away. And what did God tell him? Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to take that pain away from you, but this is what I want you to know, my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. So that, that maybe colors just a little bit here what, what Paul is giving as a blessing. I want you to have that same grace in your life. And that grace wasn't lost on the Corinthians either. I mean, I already shared with you a, a little bit how they, they acted before. And, and you, you could just almost hear God's, like, you could hear Jesus saying, seriously? I, 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 I paid my own blood for you. Your bodies aren't your own. I, I bought you. I redeemed you. And now you're going to use them for ancestral relationships? Seriously, guys? He could have he wiped his hands off and said, I'm done with you. But he didn't. That's grace. Or he could have said, seriously, guys? You know? I, you know, look at how I acted among the, the people of my life. When I lived there, I, I had people nail, put nails through my hands. And what did I do as they were doing that? I, I prayed for them. I said, Lord, have, or Father, forgive them. And what are you guys doing? You're taking each other to court? Come on. He could have just said, I'm done with you, but he didn't. That's grace. Or, you know, he said, I... I gave you this special gift of Holy Communion and you guys are getting drunk <laughs> off of Holy Communion? Seriously? He could have said, I'm done with you. But he didn't. That's grace. 
And then you think of us. How many times don't we maybe do things that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway? And Jesus could say, I'm done with you guys. But he doesn't. That's grace. How many times don't we know his, his one command that he gives to us, hey, love one another, and we refuse to do it. And yet he doesn't wipe his hands clean of us. He says, I'm still coming for you. I still love you. That's grace. Or that he comes to us today in Holy Communion and says, here, this is me for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's grace. Don't let that little word become cliche. But continue to see the significance, just like Paul did. Continue to live under that blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That word, like I said, made it into every one of Paul's signatures. 13 for 13. The other two phrases here didn't. Uh, so let's, let's look at those. He goes on, he says, not only may the grace of our Lord Jesus, he also may the love of God be with you all. Now, God can sometimes mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in this context, when it says Jesus and Spirit, we know oftentimes the Bible just uses God as a way to talk about the Father. And so may the love of the Father be with you all. Uh, that, too, is a, is a rather rich word, love. You know, so what was it, how many weeks, how many days are you guys married now? Twelve, something like that? Something like that. It seems like it's been forever, right? No. Uh -huh. But, you know, I'm sitting at their wedding a few, uh, ten days ago, whatever it was, nine days ago, and it's all about love, right? Uh, the preacher preached all about love. And, and yeah, that's, uh, it, we, we use that word too, but it can so easily become cliché. And if, if you've sat in maybe a Bible study or you've heard us talk about it before in worship, this, this love that's mentioned here is anything but cliche. Some of you could probably even impress me and tell me the Greek word, even though you don't know Greek, it's agape love. It's this love that is also is, is something that isn't just an attitude, it's something that turns into action. Uh, you think of John 3, verse 16, God so loved the world, period, no. God so loved the world so that he did something. He gave his one and only son. God loves, therefore he does. Or, or what's in God's heart shows up in his hands as the way that he, he shows love uh, to us. And, and so what are some of the things in, which, in ways in which that God shows us his love? Uh, again, we, we could probably say the most prevalent way that the Heavenly Father shows us His love is that He sent us His Son. Uh, but we kind of really covered that when we talk about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at things that are unique, particular just to the Father. Uh, usually when we talk about the Father's role, if you had God the Father's job description here, right at the top would be what we say about Him in the Creed every time. We say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So we think about Him as creator. And protector, like we talked about with the apple. When you think about that, you know, just look at creation as, as some of demonstrations of God's love for you. Uh, probably new, at least three times in the last two weeks, I've heard from you, hey, did you see that sunset? Or did you see that sunrise? 
from our Creator Father, that's love. Or even the rain. Maybe we're not used to it, but it's kind of nice to see a little tinge of green on the mountains, right? Or maybe turn off our sprinklers for a little bit. That's love. Or I think of how many of, I, I mean, I think 95% of our congregation has dogs, right? Um, and, and how many of you love your creatures? Creatures of God. Those pets. That's God's love. Uh, you can look at anything in all creation, anything that you have. Uh, you know, I could give you a blank sl- piece of paper here and say, okay, t- talk about the blessings of stuff that you have. That's God's love in your life. But it's not just the stuff. It's not just the things. It's also the people. It's also the relationships uh, that God gives to us. And I'm not just talking about marriage. Uh, there's any relationship that God gives to us is really a gift of his love. Uh, you, you go back to the creation. Uh, you know, there's, there's Adam. God plant, put him there in the garden. And, and what did God say? Hey, it's not good, not good to be alone. And so he brought Eve to him. Yeah, that ended up being his wife, but it's this fact that it's not good for us to be alone. That's a demonstration of God's love. Or you could... You know, look at anybody else from the Bible. You look at Moses in the Old Testament. He's this great leader. And, in, and as God says, Moses, I'm going to have you lead my people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And, and Moses Mo, Mo starts, starts to stutter. I'm not a good talker, right? And God says, fine. I'll, I'll send your brother Aaron. He'll do the talking for you. Or even look at Paul, the guy who wrote these words. God knocked him off his horse and he said, you're going to be my missionary. Did he go alone? No. He gave him Silas, and he gave him Barnabas, and he gave him Titus, and he gave him Timothy. The fact that God put them into relationships, and now you you think about even the relationships that God has put into your life. I look around the room. This is a demonstration of God's love. You know, there's that TV show, Alone, right? Um... Maybe some of us would want to be on it. I wouldn't, but maybe some of you would want to be on it to try it. But you wouldn't want the rest of your life like that. And the fact that God puts people and things into your life is a demonstration, a demonstration of his love. That's what the Father gives to us. So we get grace a little bit. We get love a little bit. This last word maybe needs the most explanation, and that's fellowship. Fellowship. Uh, A few weeks ago on Thursday morning Bible study, we were talking about fellowship, and we did a little word association game. I said, fellowship, you say what? And we filled up the board. And it was interesting to see what everybody said on the board. We had things like donuts, and we had things like potlucks, and then we had things like body of Christ. And now I imagine inviting people to come in there and say, okay, what is this describing? And, and how do you put things like donuts and the body of Christ in, in the same category? And yet maybe that shows just the breadth of, of what fellowship involves. I usually like to define fellowship as this, two fellows in the same ship, right? It's easy to remember. That you have, you have two people that can maybe be on opposite ends of the boat with completely different 
viewpoints of life, completely different worldviews. Maybe, you know, maybe if they're in the boat, maybe they have two completely different ways of fishing. And yet, even though they act and think and, and do things differently, they're still in the same boat. And they're going the same direction. Uh, you know, or, or you could think of it like, you know, to use that, that food illustration. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a potluck at the park. Some of you maybe took a salad. I took a dessert. But we were the same, same meal, right? Uh, even though it was completely different foods. Or the, to use the picture of the body of Christ. Some of you maybe are the pinky toe. Some of you are maybe the gallbladder. But it's the same body of Christ. That's, that's what fellowship means. It, it's something that binds people together that maybe are completely opposites. Now, don't confuse fellowship with friendship. I think sometimes that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Fellowship doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be best friends with all 60 of these people, all right? These people are here for, for you're going to see them for one week. You better be best friends before they leave. No. God, when, when God created us relationally, it does, it's almost impossible the way he created us for us to be friends with. You know, there's a, there's a certain amount of people that we can be friends with. But fellowship... Don't, don't let that undermine the beauty of what fellowship is. Fellowship is how the Holy Spirit can bind us together even if we're not friends. How cool is that? That, that the, same, the same word of God, the same law can crush our hearts and they have the same gospel mend them back together again. Or the peace of God which transcends all understanding can apply to you and 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 to you. That's fellowship. Doesn't mean we all cheer for the same team. It doesn't mean that we all choose the same paint colors if we're painting a wall. But it means. But it means that we're brought together into this beautiful camaraderie, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And to top it off, not only does the Holy Spirit put us into fellowship with each other, because of what the Holy Spirit does, he puts us into fellowship with God. As different as we are from God, the holy, holy, holy God, the Holy Spirit puts us into the same boat with Jesus so that wherever he goes, that's where you and I go. And through Jesus, being in that boat with him, we get to be in heaven someday where we get to sing holy, holy, holy with people from every tribe, nation, language, and people. That's the tremendous threefold blessing that we get from our threefold God. And so I'm going to stop there you may not remember a single word that I said today when you leave. But it would be my prayer that you always remember and let this blessing stand in its pristine beauty. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Amen. Please stand.